Crimson Sky Media. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to um, the 10th episode of Crimson Sky Media Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Kenny Edwards, uh, coming to you not live, but pre-recorded at 7.39 p.m. Um, on April the 10th of 2020. Uh, we're still amid the pandemic, which is sweeping the nation, and it seems like it's kind of dying down a little bit. Um, you know, I'm able to go to the grocery store and get some things, um, so that's good. I think that usually what's on my agenda for going to the grocery store, though, is pretty mundane items. Um, You know, alcohol and water bottles are usually in abundance, Uh, but just things like toilet paper and paper towels, which, you know, I don't live with a bunch of people. I, I don't know. It seems like I don't really need that restocked too often, so I guess I'm lucky. Uh, I think that people are more so just trying to prepare for a larger distance in the future than I am, but I've always been kind of a go-with-the-flow type of guy in that regard, so if I run out, so be it. doesn't seem like it will anytime soon, but long story short, it's been going great. I'm really happy to kind of get back in and do another episode. It's been quite a while, um, and it's not because I've actually been at work. In fact, quite the opposite. I've just been at home, uh, but I've been trying to kind of enjoy that as much as I can. I think there's always a lot going on mentally and uh, it's hard to kind of just find time to just relax uh, even though you're not at work. I think that it's part of the concern and part of the anxiety that comes with being isolated, quote unquote. Uh, There's definitely a positive and a negative aspect to that. On the negative end, you kind of get a little carried away. (laughs) I've I've been staying up really late and it just kind of knocks me out for the next day and then I do the same thing and then after a while it's like a domino effect you just kind of lose all of your energy and you kind of hit the reset button which was just recently which is why I've been able to get back around to to doing an episode which I've really been hoping to do so episode 10 I'm really excited about that um I I want to do a little bit a different kind of approach here. I'm going to let you know everything that I've been playing recently and uh, have you guys get up to date on the news in case you haven't been or just want to hear my spin on it, I suppose. Uh, And then after that, I'm just going to kind of talk about myself, the podcast, and some other things that are relevant to gaming, sort of, and then some things that aren't really, that are just me. Uh, Since it's majorly just me doing the podcast, I thought maybe that'd be fun and I'm going to be doing it at the end. So if um, you don't really care to to listen to that or anything, you can always uh, tune out uh, and you know move on with your morning, afternoon, or evening. Uh, so just to start it out, I will let you know what I've been playing. Uh, quite a few different things, actually, because of the time that I've been afforded. Um, I've been kind of going back, like I, I usually do, to nostalgia trip over games, uh, which have been Mass Effect, which is fantastic in case you have never played those games. It's really a, it, it's a role-playing game, but it's really more or less... Uh, action RPG than anything else. There's a lot of choices that you make that carry through the games, uh, but it's really a series of um, action and exploration, more towards action at the end of the trilogy, uh, with decision-making sprinkled in between it. Um, But it's actually really nice, and I still think that even if the third one has its shortcomings, you'll hear a lot of people, it became like a meme for a while that that trilogy ended on the low note. I still think it's worth going through and picking it apart um, and you'll it's fun to look at the differences because one two and three are such massively different games in, in terms of what they're accomplishing and 
and going for. So I've been doing a little bit of that. Um, I've been doing a lot of Paper Mario, the Thousand Year Door on my emulator. Just because I can play that game until the end of time and not get bored of it, it's the best Nintendo game ever made for me. I just love it so much um, because it's it's like an it's like a role playing game, um, but in a Pixar way where it's it's meant for younger audiences, but you can still play it as an adult and find some sort of depth to it and meaning. Uh, not that there's anything really profound about it, but it's just very easy to enjoy, very elaborate and different with the way that it sets up each chapter and the abilities and the pacing that you get. Uh, it's just perfect. It's just one of the most perfect, simplified role-playing games you could ever find, and it's funny, too, on top of that, and I think that that's a big deal. Um, so I've been playing a couple of those, which have been really fun. Um, speaking about role-playing games, I'm trying to finish playing uh, Kingdom of Amular, but that game itself is just, uh, it's quite a lot. It's a very, very flat in terms of what's going on uh, because there's not really anything that's particularly easy to do. Um, easy in the sense that it's easy to accomplish, I guess, but it's just really time consuming. It's basically Oblivion, Elder Scrolls for Oblivion, where it's like a fantasy medieval game, but they took out all of the fantasy elements and all of like the mythology and magic and stuff. It's just straight up medieval times. Um, I've talked about it a little bit before. I'd probably recommend people getting it if you're into something that's a little bit more realistic uh, and not quite as fantastical. Um, but again, I kind of pace myself on that because it's so heavy, if that makes sense. Uh, and that's really been the bulk of it. Other than that, traditionally, lots of Rockstar games, Halo in between, all that jazz. So, oh, and I replayed Firewatch recently, which if you haven't played it, uh, I did want to squeeze this in here. I would highly recommend it. It's a very unique game in the way that it, it sets itself up and paces things out. And although I'm not usually a huge fan of walking simulators or uh, just text heavy or like dialogue heavy games, uh, I don't know, the studio that did that, the way that they did it was so perfect and, and very unique. Um, I just don't think that it's it's something you could really find many other places, so I'd recommend picking that up. Uh, otherwise, let's go ahead and jump into the news then, I suppose. There's nothing really else to talk about that I've been playing. I've been trying to, because see, here's the thing with, with what you've been playing, it's, it's really hard because you can either dedicate yourself to a really heavy, intense game, um, play a bunch of short games quickly, you know, just power through them, uh, or just kind of schedule like an hour or two here, an hour or two there, uh, and then, you know, enjoy the rest of your day so you're not getting hemorrhoids from sitting in your chair for 33 hours straight, you know. Um, so into the news then, uh, the PlayStation 5 and Xbox One Series X, or Xbox Series X, I guess, because <laughs> their names are so similar. I don't think Microsoft can really get it right with the next Xbox name, I really would be totally content if they just went from like uh, this one, which would be the uh, fourth iteration of Xbox to their next gen, just calling it five, you know, like X5, X6 or something like that. Um, I just, I hate these Series X, One X, One S, you know, because um, it's just not cohesive for me. I think that it's also very confusing for the mainstream market, like moms and 
you know, ants that are going to go pick up their kids a console. They're like, oh, get me the Xbox. Well, there's Xbox One, the Xbox One S, Xbox One X, Xbox One Series X, Xbox One Series X, One Plus Seven. You know what I mean? It just gets really complicated for for people. But um, moving on, the the news about that is PlayStation Five. We're actually learning a lot more. Xbox released their specifications for the console and uh, just generally what it's going to be able to do. But they're very quick and upfront about it. Um, to make a long story short. From these specs that have been released between the two consoles, it looks like the Xbox is going to be way more, I wouldn't say way more, I guess I guess marginally more powerful, but substantially so in terms of like storage and, and whatnot. I don't think a lot of people would consider it a big difference. I would. Um, the PlayStation 5 essentially is going to have like 820, 850 gigabyte SSD, which is um, weird. Uh, usually they hit it in increments of like, a quarter, you know, so you get like 250 gigs, 500 gigs, 750, and then a terabyte, which is a thousand gigabytes. But they went with like 820 or 850, um, which is annoying to me. I think a terabyte should be the minimum because video games now, like just to give you an idea, a terabyte is a thousand gigabytes, and like Red Dead Redemption 2 is um, 110 gigabytes, Rainbow Six Siege is like 120 gigabytes, so. There's already like um, a fifth of your storage space dedicated to two games. Uh, and not to mention when games get more complicated with things like textures and resolution and etc. Um, the quality of the sound and everything is gonna take up more space, all those things. Uh, so it's only gonna get worse. And I think that starting with 820 was weird and I didn't like it. Uh, the Xbox I assumed, which I'm sure that everybody else assumed as well, was gonna be the more powerful console, uh, just technically capable and it is, as far as we know, in terms of the models that they've released uh, information on. So I'm probably just gonna stick with getting the Xbox. I've been kind of falling off from playing on console more and more uh, the older I get, uh, just because most games have been honestly kind of going into PC anyway, especially with Microsoft uh, basically saying that any future games that they release is gonna release for Windows and Xbox. So Sony games have been coming to PC as well. The only one that's been holding out is Nintendo and uh, that's understandable, but honestly, like I was describing, I've been playing Paper Mario quite a bit recently. If Nintendo just came out and said, here's every Paper Mario game, here's every um, 3D uh, platformer for Mario, here's the sports games of Mario, etc., etc., Luigi's Mansion, whatever, uh, Smash Brothers, on PC, I would just lose my mind. I think that they would make so much money, even just from the hype of that happening, even if people didn't want to play it, they'd be so caught up in the cultural moment uh, that that'd be because PC is a lot more than, you know, a specific platform. It's also a big community uh, because usually once you get invested into PC gaming, you kind of just use that as your preferred platform, if that makes sense. Um, but anyway, going forward, uh, the PlayStation 5 controller was revealed. Um, it's essentially called the DualSense, and it looks kind of ridiculous. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. Uh, I know that a lot of people liked it. It looks kind of bulky to me. Um, it also looks a little bit... How do I put this? Um, a little bit cheap in its design, not necessarily like the material and everything, but it looks like the uh, 
the Mad Cats controllers or like the third-party controllers that wouldn't be made by Sony or Microsoft that you'd get for like your PlayStation 2 or Xbox. Uh, it just looks kind of tacky in my opinion. Uh, they're still going to keep the aux uh, port in it, the 3.5mm port, so you can plug in like headphones and whatnot, and I think that that's good. Uh, I'm assuming that's a touchpad in the middle, I believe it is, and it's uh, it looks fine, it's very white, and it looks like Detroit Become Human, the controller, <laughs> if that makes sense. It's just white and black and blue, and those are like the main colors that you see all the time in Detroit Become Human, which is a great game, also came to PC. Um, but I'm just not a big fan, and like the, the button in the middle, the PlayStation button is just black, and it's just literally a button, the logo, it's not like a logo inside of a button or anything. Um, it's basically the same layout though in terms of where they placed the D-pad, the thumbsticks, triggers, and etc. I think that the PlayStation 4 controller was so good though, that they were so close to perfecting how a controller should be held in your hands, and it's slowly getting closer to the way an Xbox controller looks. Uh, but I think, like, it's almost like they did it with one eye closed, trying to continue that evolution into an Xbox controller. Um, but I guess that's just where Microsoft also just really lucked out. Uh, here's a little fun fact for you. Even though uh, it's widely considered the Xbox is the uh, dominant system in terms of their controller design, uh, that was hugely influenced by Sega and Dreamcast, actually. If you take a look at the Dreamcast controller, and if you look at the triggers on that controller and the placement of the stick and everything else, um, it's so similar to like the first Xbox controller. Uh, and Xbox essentially just continued that with adding a right thumb stick and everything. And um, they just changed it up entirely uh, in regards of how it actually all came together. The Duke was the first Xbox controller and it's really huge and bulky, um, even though I still think it's rather comfortable, even after all these years, 19 years. It's still all right. Um, the, I think it's just called the S or Mini or something. It was the second Xbox controller that they made up until the end of production for that system, uh, which was perfect. And it's basically been that controller every single generation ever since. Uh, so the Xbox One, <laughs> not the Xbox One, the Xbox Series X. See, it is a little bit confusing, especially when you're speaking rather quickly about it. The Xbox Series X controller is... Um, essentially the Xbox One controller, but with an added button in the center, which I'm assuming is a share button. Um, so that way it's easier for people to share content or stream more quickly like the PlayStation's controller had set up. Uh, and I think that the placement of those things, uh, like the share and start and everything is a lot smarter for me uh, in order to hit that quickly or you know, grab a screenshot fast or whatever. A lot of people who are more affluent in couch kind of controller gaming would probably enjoy that more than me. Um, I'd probably be using the controller for my PC, if anything, Xbox One, that is. Uh, so I wouldn't really need that function too often. Uh, but that's what we got for PlayStation 5. Uh, essentially, what we know so far besides the controller uh, is essentially the uh, share button is renamed a create button, which it's basically going to be the same thing. Uh, it'll use rechargeable batteries. Uh, Xbox controllers use AA batteries, which I prefer. They last longer, um, cheaper to buy them in bulk, and also you can get a um, charging battery to put in your Xbox. It's very cheap, uh, but you have the option, if that goes bad, to replace it. With the PlayStation controller, a lot of people were upset that they didn't get a replaceable 
um, or a yeah replaceable battery because if it goes bad it's basically screwed like you can un literally unscrew it and um, take it out and do all this jazz but that's not convenient it's not easy and there's room for error there that with an Xbox controller if the battery is bad you literally just take it off take it out put in a new one put the case back on so very quick um, there's built-in microphone in the, in the DualSense controller so if you really want to be just a trashy individual and use what I'm assuming is probably not the best quality microphone in a $60 controller um, to talk to people and also have them potentially pick up the echo of your TV uh, and everything else going on in your life. There you go. So if you happen to play a PlayStation online often, uh, get prepared for lots of um, not push-to-talk players, just players with the microphone open, sharing their entire bedroom life with you and all the noises of their home, like vacuum cleaners and dogs and etc. Um, other than that, uh, the price and, and everything is still kind of hazy. I think that as we get closer, they'll do it. I think that they're kind of waiting to see what Xbox and everyone uh, is looking at and what people want by that time. I think that price is something that they always have in mind, uh, but aren't for sure on until like maybe a month before uh, the release of the information, uh, like the, the press conference detailing the date and everything. Holiday 2020, same as Xbox Series X. Uh, other than that, let's go ahead and we'll talk about Animal Crossing disappearing from stores in China. I wanted to go into this as well because I think that with Corona and everything, I think it's funny that um, that's happening. Basically, the riots and everything are still going on in China. So Animal Crossing, they were using that, a lot of the uh, Hong Kong citizens, to protest the Chinese government. Um, they didn't like that, so, so they just banned it everywhere in the country. China's a big place. They have a billion people, and that's why uh, the Chinese market is always so sought after in entertainment, like like Hollywood and uh, gaming and everything. With companies like Blizzard and Riot, they're always going after China because that's where the big bucks are. Uh, Ubisoft as well. Um, and Animal Crossing is a, is a... It's a game, essentially, it's very much similar to The Sims. And I've talked about it, I think, like an episode or two ago, essentially about a lot of the uh, success that it's had, which is really great. It looks like a lot of fun. It looks like a little bit more fun than The Sims because it's a little bit more simple. However, uh, they, because of the creation abilities they have with logos and avatars and characters and, and text and everything, it's an online game and it's very communicative between people. So what they're doing is using it to protest the government with anti um, anti she uh, imagery and etc so he doesn't like that so he banned it uh, lots of things from trying to get banned not really a big surprise but I wanted to use that to lead into uh, E3 2020 getting cancelled because of the COVID-19 virus which originated from China uh, basically we're not getting any sort of E3 period no online event no uh, no actual conference or anything, which I'm, I'm actually quite all right with. Every developer and publisher and etc., they're all going to figure out a way to get the information out there. I think that in today's age, the information age, it's really not hard to release something 
uh, in terms of info, especially with things like Reddit and Twitter, etc., making um, the accumulation of info and updates so much easier. Uh, I can literally have just updates set up on my phone from like a particular subreddit or like a certain Twitter like Sony or Microsoft, even though I don't do that because I care about my sanity, uh, that'll tell me about what's going on. And if I don't anyway, uh, it'll make the front page or something else. So if it's actually super important. But I think that uh, recently too, uh, I've just been kind of, I wouldn't say necessarily muting myself from the, the gaming information and whatnot, because obviously I'm still paying attention. But I've been trying to focus a little bit less on the news itself and just try to catch up on like a lot of different games that <laughs> I've been having trouble uh, getting around to so because of the um, we'll call we'll call it quarantine um, My job was kind enough if you want to call it that to let me have just under a couple two weeks a couple two weeks a couple of weeks off uh, On PTO so I can't take a day off for the next couple of months or so but uh, At least I got at least I got a little mini stress anxiety filled vacation but I gotta get drunk and play video games. So that's very nice. I enjoyed that. I watched all of Tiger King. Uh, I'm sorry to put this in the middle of the news, but I really wanted to tell you guys, if you haven't watched Tiger King, it's quite the, the hip trend right now, if you haven't heard. Uh, everybody's watching that show. Uh, for good reason though, it's actually really well made. And I think that the way that they set it up with seven episodes and how they did each episode and withheld certain information um, that was juicy until later episodes. It was almost like watching like a, a Greek drama of sorts. It was it was really fascinating, uh, and it ends on a pretty good note as well. So, uh, if you want to check that out, if you have Netflix, if you don't, they always offer free trials. Just come up with an email, find a way. It's a great documentary, and it's kind of a cultural thing that's going on. So I wouldn't miss it uh, if I were you. It was good enough to keep me watching for seven episodes, and the main guy uh, is. Uh, Joe Exotic is his name. Uh, well, that's his like stage name. He's actually really funny. I find him hilarious, and I hate Carol. So if you watch the show, I hate Carol. I think Joe Exotic is definitely got a lot of problems and does things I disagree with, but just absolutely freaking hilarious. So anyway, check it out. So recently too, uh, I wanted to talk about like Persona Five Royal. Um, this is something that. Uh, Atlas Games does a lot is they'll do a Persona game and then they'll wait three or four years or so and then they'll do an updated version with new content and then polish certain things and change little things here and there. It's basically like a director's cut of it uh, and it's gotten, it's been getting 10 out of 10s. I think it came out recently um, for sure in Japan. I don't know if it came out in the US yet but Persona is probably one of my favorite series ever uh, to come out of Japan period but it's also the one that I Play the least, if that makes sense, because they're just such dense, long games. But they're so good, that's the trouble. But like, you can only have so much of a good thing before you just need to take a break. Uh, just to give you an idea, I played like 80 hours, 80 or 90 hours, and I haven't even gotten into like the third act of the game. <laughs> It's like there's so much to do. You can uh, essentially make a long story short. If you've never heard about Persona, uh, imagine Scooby-Doo, but in like Tokyo, uh, essentially like like central Japan uh, and places of that nature. And the school kids that are 
chasing a monster or, or apparition are actually chasing multiple people that do bad things, right? Uh, and they, they change them from being bad people by entering their, their sub-reality. It, it's, it's, it's almost like there's like two realities if you watch like Stranger Things, like the Upside Down or what have you. It, it, it's a very loose connection there, but that'll give you a good idea. And so they enter this um, sub-reality of that person's persona uh, and they go through the and usually there's like some metaphorical representation of their problem or their ideology that's been screwing them up. Uh, for example, the very first one is someone who like abuses like PE students, right? And so his persona, he literally sees him as you go through a kingdom of, because he sees him as a king. Uh, and when you fight him, it's this really sensationalized, like saturated imagery uh, very Japanese of what he looks like because he's very full of himself and like he sees like the um, he sees the students as like pets and stuff it's very interesting uh, so it's really cool and the music is phenomenal I mean again it's such a perfect game and I hate to go into it super deep but I just really wanted to emphasize how good it is and I haven't beat it yet Persona 5 I beat Persona 4 and, and did a little bit of 3 uh, and I loved them but Persona 5, it's just the game that I, I always say it's the game that I'll never finish. It's the best game that I'll never finish because it just takes so long to do it. Um, but I totally recommend it, especially if you're under the age of 18 or if you don't have a job. Uh, pick that up. Because <laughs> if you want to kill over 100 hours <laughs> before you even beat the game and enjoy every second of it, uh, it's Persona 5. You can have relationships in it. You can get jobs in the game. You can go around the town, meet up with friends. Um, it's a whole bundle of fun, so definitely would recommend that. Uh, and the next thing and the final thing that I want to talk about is CD Projekt Red and, uh, well, a couple of their games, but mainly um, Cyberpunk and Witcher 3, obviously, because those are the two big ones uh, that everyone cares about. So Cyberpunk 2077's DLC was confirmed that it will be revealed before release, essentially. They're going to talk about what it's going to be before the game even comes out. Uh, and will be essentially no less than what they did with Witcher 3 was the the headline, uh, which basically means they're probably going to do an expansion or two, and they're going to be big expansions that have lots of unique content to it, uh, with lots of narrative and um, choice-focused uh, developments there. That's basically it. Uh, I wouldn't really honestly expect too much different. It worked out great for Witcher 3, uh, like hugely successful. Um, the DLC for Witcher 3 was... A game in itself, like quite literally, uh, it was just nuts uh, how much content there was in it and how much um, icing on the cake it was too. It's just so not so many. I, I keep repeating that, but it really is just benign to me how, you, as a company with with such a, a focus on a game, can create something so renownedly successful. Like there's essentially nobody who would disagree that Witcher Three is at least a great game let alone nobody, period, who will disagree that the DLC for Witcher 3 was perfect in its pricing, the content it had, the polish, um, what it offered, the things that changed, the free things that they offered after the game came out, uh, which were a plethora of things, like a couple dozen uh, texture packs, skin, costume stuff. Uh, it was a whole bunch for free. Uh, so just a really great ethical company. Uh, and I'm really excited to play Cyberpunk. It did get delayed till September, but um, the year just keeps going faster and faster. So 
that'll be right around the corner. Uh, and the final piece of news that I did want to talk about, which was a part of that essentially, was The Witcher. Uh, and there was a critique that was done recently by uh, Joseph Anderson. And he is this guy on YouTube that I started watching early on when he was doing videos. He's super good. Honestly, watching his content makes me think like, because I always have like ideas of like, man, I should really, I should really like take some time to do like an in-depth like analysis of a game uh, or something and really go into like the lore or, you know, the history of it or how it impacted games and, and et cetera, my experience with it. And then I watched Joseph Anderson and it just completely like okay well he's done it better than anyone else probably ever will so what's the point of <laughs> of even trying um he does such crazy looks into games it, it's it's more than just a look at the game itself it's i'm gonna do everything you could possibly think of to experience this game in every way so that that way you don't have to and I'm going to talk about it and exactly what my experiences were by doing that. Uh, just to give you an idea of some of the things that he did, the video is four and a half hours long. He, he Okay, so he beat every single Witcher game three to four times on each difficulty. He played through the Mass Effect trilogy because it was somewhat similar to Witcher and he wanted to get a perspective on that. He learned its native developer's language, Polish, so that he can play it in its original version. He read all six books of The Witcher like two, three times because he really wanted to get like every perspective. This guy is insane and he um, he deserves every ounce of credit that, that people give him. He deserves all the views and all the likes because he's got like, he's got a wife and kid and the fact that he's putting all of this effort into it, I couldn't imagine learning Polish just to experience a game in its native language, let alone reading all of the books over one more time, <laughs> because reading them once is already a task in itself. So I just, I'm not necessarily plugging the guy, but I definitely would say if you want something that is kind of like the Joe Rogan, Alex Jones podcast that he did, where it's like a two or three hour event, kind of listen to it in uh, bits and pieces and etc. If you played Witcher, I'd highly recommend uh, checking that out more so if you played all the Witcher games. Um, if you're like me that just played three and some of two, I would say you're, a lot of the content's going to be kind of lost on you, but um, there's still, the way that he offers his perspective is still with context, right? So he's not just going to start talking about things with one. He's going to tell you about what happens in the game and how they present it before he talks about what his take on it is. Uh, and the guy's just mastercraft. Um, takes a long time to get his videos out, but you know, Kind of like Rockstar, a good thing. Uh, takes time uh, to produce something quality, I suppose. Uh, and that's that. So that is all the news. That is all the content that I wanted to cover. Okay, so um, I just switched off for a, a second. It was actually a second for you guys, but I went off and I, I grabbed myself a mixed drink, which if you want to know what it is, it's actually really tasty. It's a pina colada mix of an unknown brand, but they're all basically the same. Um, but for this one, it just said add rum. And if you want like some pineapple and stuff, a little bit of vanilla ice cream. I actually have vanilla ice cream because uh, that's my favorite ice cream, vanilla bean. But I'm just settling for vanilla today because that's, you know, plain Jane, me. So uh, that with a little bit in it as well. And I uh, usually like to put the Sobe pina coladas in it. Um, I like, I honestly think the Sobe Pina Coladas is probably one of my more, I guess you could say, affectionate 
I flirt with it quite a bit. Uh, mixes, I usually put that with some banana, which is what I did with this too, and blend it all together and throw in a bunch of ice. I get really cold because I don't like lukewarm drinks usually, or even really hot drinks. Very seldom do I have anything hot. Uh, and I'm going to tell you guys my favorite things. These are a few of my favorite things, but it's actually quite a bit more. Um, I'm doing this because it's the 10th episode, and I'm really happy about that, even though it took a while, uh, and I wanted it to be a little bit longer than usual, and for me to talk about some of my favorite things. So it's a little bit of a longer list um, than what you're you're probably expecting. It's a, technically 101. <laughs> I'll, I'll, some of them I'll go a little bit quick, because I don't want to bore you by just talking endlessly, but I mean, why else would you be listening to a podcast, right? You love to have a little bit of conversation with somebody that you don't really know. Uh, in this case, um, I'm hoping that you can get to know me a little bit more, uh, so you can get some of my personal preferences. Um, some of these are kind of stupid, though. Uh, I like it just scrolling through it, it's asking, like, favorite dish at Olive Garden and stuff. What I'll do is I will start off by doing a... Uh, video game kind of one, uh, and then I'll go into the personal ones as well. Uh, so that way, you know, it's not just random things. Uh, it's also a little bit of my preferences with video games as well here. Okay. So to start off uh, with the gaming list here, we'll do that one real quick. It's one that I put up here because I, I kept trying to find one that was game centric, but most of them are just, here's my favorite video games of all time in a numerical order. I don't think those are fun because usually nowadays too they reach like I know Game Informer uh, they did one for 200 the top 200 games of all time <laughs> as interesting as that was like because there are so many games I just you really just like everything that's over the number 20 or even like 30 50 if you want to be generous is like okay well those are games that you like and then when it gets down to like the top 10 20 you're like okay these are like your favorite games you know these are the best games of all time kind of thing because we all love a lot of games i mean technically my favorite games of all time are every game just in different order right so uh, i just put a few like categorical stuff here uh, that i'm going to go through and uh, just to start off i didn't write any answers down either uh, because i, I didn't want to just read you so this is going to be kind of me going through it and then speculating as i um as i read them kind of what would be off the top of my head sort of thing Usually those are the games that are probably you'd consider, you know, your favorite or the first ones that come to mind. Um, so the first one to start off is my favorite game genre, like the category of the game. That one I'm, I'm probably just going to have to give to um, FPS just because I like so many different FPSs in my life and forms of FPS. Now when you think first person shooter, the first games that come to your mind are like Call of Duty um, or like Doom and stuff. And those are really great games. Uh, at least a few Call of Duties are. Uh, but FPS, to me, it kind of extends beyond that to different categories. So games like um, System Shock 2 or Bioshock are an FPS. Um, the Darkness is a first-person shooter, but it's a very, very different <laughs> shooter. Kind of like Chronicles of Riddick. It's not what you think when you think FPS. Uh, which if you, if you haven't heard of The Darkness, it's a really, really great game. It's essentially like a mob drama shooter. Um, but done with a twist, and there's like this weird biblical demon twist where Jackie Estacado, he's like this person who just turned 21, uh, and on his 21st birthday, through his bloodline, he was given this 
curse, essentially, where this ability, this sentience called the darkness awakens, uh, and it's like this evil sort of force that um, tries to control them as his puppet. Uh, really, really, really great game. Very kind of janky in certain areas, uh, but the the performances from the characters and I think the visual style and a lot of the music and uh, gunplay is very satisfying. Uh, the plot's obviously very good. Um, and the way it, because at, at some point you, you go to quote unquote hell, uh, but hell is portrayed instead of like fire and demons as World War One, but an endless World War One that never goes away. And people can't die, but they can still experience like pain and death. They're just reborn again in this never ending battle of like trenches and rusty muskets and stuff. It's really, really a unique game. Loved it, and the sequel was very disappointing to me. But I still think that that's probably one of my favorite FPSs. Um, so I'd say FPS is my favorite game genre. Uh, my favorite game soundtrack is really hard because there are so many really great soundtracks, and I can't nail it down to one, so I'll probably say between two. Okay, and again, I'm, I'm leaving out so many good soundtracks. I, I love soundtracks in general, but um, it's easily, hands down, between Halo 3 by Martin O'Donnell, because Martin O'Donnell, all of the Halo games, really, with Martin O'Donnell doing the soundtrack, so basically up to reach. Uh, are some of the best game music albums you'll ever hear in your life. It's just, from beginning to end, very, very um, personable and very flavorful, I'd say. Uh, there's, like, uh, in Halo 1, it was very choir, sort of monk <laughs> singing. And then Halo 2, there's a lot more guitar and, and whatnot. And then Halo 3, a ton of piano and, and violin and softer, more emotional instruments. Um, all really great, but hands down my favorite was 3. Uh, the other soundtrack is Shadow of the Colossus. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus is from the developers, uh, well, essentially uh, Team Ico, I believe it is. Um, <laughs> they only made three games uh, in their history, which was Ico, Shadow of the Colossus, and The Last Guardian. All of them have really great soundtracks, especially Last Guardian, but Shadow of the Colossus is probably not only one of the best soundtracks, um, but just one of the best games of all time. I wouldn't say it's my personally favorite game, but I would say that if I was like a, really, really critical about uh, making my decision, I would say as a video game that pushes the medium forward and does things that you can't do in any other medium, uh, because critically speaking, that is to me what makes a good game, is an experience that you can't have in any other media uh, that's done in a way that elevates gaming, right? So that would be easily Shadow of the Colossus. And the music is um, definitely not lacking in any department. Uh, watch the first 10 minutes of that game. I mean, <laughs> you, you can't tell me that that's phenomenal stuff. Uh, so anyway, that's my favorite game soundtrack. My favorite game publisher um, is really hard, actually. I don't know why I put that down. Because, uh, you know, there's so many big publishers that publish a lot of really great games, but... They don't really do too much themselves. They more or less just kind of um, find the, the talent and and put it out there. I, I guess I would have to say, I would have to say probably Sony, which is, is really betraying a lot of different games that I really love. Um, but Sony, hands down, when they um, help publish their developers' games, like 
uh, all of Naughty Dog's games or like Team Ico and stuff. Um, they Sony has such a catalog of exclusives that are so good. I would have said Nintendo, but Nintendo is more of an entity in itself. It doesn't really publish games. Um, it also really helps develop them. So I'd say Sony's more of a publisher than, than Nintendo is, and in that light, I'd say they're probably my favorite in terms of some of the best games that have ever been produced. They've been under Sony's belt, so which is ironic because I actually prefer Xbox as a console and PC as a platform, neither of which are very Sony. Uh, my favorite developer? Boy, that's tough. There's so many good ones. I'm going to have to say Rockstar. <laughs> In case you haven't noticed, I'm a really big Rockstar fan. I think that basically everything Rockstar's made uh, has a, a sense of scope to it that you just don't find anywhere else. Um, you want to talk about elevating games? I think that Rockstar does that extremely well. Um, they they push boundaries and they just they just do my favorite games ever. I love Ellie Noir. I love Red Dead Redemption Two, Red Dead Redemption. Um, I like Bully. Bully's a fun game. GTA, uh, San Andreas, and 4 are some of my best open world games to, to fall back on. Uh, Max Payne is really great, and they helped publish the first two and develop the third, which is the third is my favorite. Uh, very noir, heavy tone to those games. They're just, they're just really great. There's very nary a developer that when they say, hey, we're releasing a game that we developed this year, that you don't drop everything and, and look that way because you know it's a big deal. Um, Valve would probably be a close second. The only thing about Valve is that they've had a few missteps and some of the things they've done recently with game development I'm not really a huge fan of. Um, I finished Half-Life Alex, and I thought that that was all right. You know, I think like, I hate doing numerical scores other than just kind of passing conversation. Uh, but just to give you a general idea, seven out of 10, if that helps. It's, it's a really good game, guys, but after beating it and looking back on it, it didn't, didn't really do anything that uh, was really special besides having a much larger budget and a little more polish uh, than your traditional VR game. So anyway, um, my favorite childhood game. Mm. If, if we're talking like child childhood, like ages four to five, um, it'd be a cross between three games, which is um, Beetlebug Adventure Racing, all these are for the Nintendo 64. Beetlebug Adventure Racing, totally underrated. <laughs> I wish more people, we need that game to be re redone or at least re-released on PC because it's such a good racing game and it's actually really charismatic and, and very I guess, flavorful, like I said earlier, very colorful the way it does things. It's not a normal arcade racing game. And it's licensed under Volkswagen, which is really weird that you'd expect um, a game like that to come out of a Volkswagen licensed game, but there it is, it's really good. Uh, GoldenEye, 007 GoldenEye, which is fantastic. I played that all the time with my dad when I was a kid. Um, well, all of them really, I played with him, but uh, we had such a good time uh, playing. Everyone says slappers only. We didn't really do that too much, but we would always do like the hardest difficulty on the campaign missions to unlock the secret levels. Uh, the music in that game is really great. And then lastly for Nintendo 64, um, would be Super Mario 64. Uh, Paper Mario for the Nintendo 64 would be close in that list as well, but Super Mario 64 was the first time that Mario went 3D for his platforming, and it was, and is still today, probably one of the best games ever made. 
uh, in terms of its cultural impact and also how it elevated platforming, 3D platforming games because it's just so smooth and so polished and the level design is so much fun and so many tricks to learn. Uh, you can know nothing about it and have a great time or you can be a master at it uh, and do even better. So I think it's something really special. Um, anyway, that would be my favorite in that category, but if I'm going to have to generalize all of my childhood and just pick one, because I hate people that choose multiple, uh, even though I did that for the, the soundtrack, we'll ignore that. Um, my favorite childhood game of all time would be easily Psychonauts. 2005, Double Fine's first official title, uh, and easily one of my favorite games ever made, um, defined my childhood. Uh, I loved the character Rasputin, I loved all of the characters in that game, the music was really nice. It's so, to define it in a word, uh, charming. It's such a charming game. I, the relationship Raz has with the little girl's cute, um, his sense of adventure and, 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 and like heroism, uh, the comedy is really well done, the story's fun. You, you, you throw doors onto people's heads and enter their minds, okay? And the levels are built around the atmosphere of their insecurities and, <laughs> and their personalities. It's a really cool game. Just that concept alone would have reeled me in as an adult. But as a kid, I, have, I used to get the demo discs for the original Xbox and I would throw in, I was so excited when I saw that they had a demo disc. I would rip that thing open when I got home, pop the disc in and have like a few demos, some trailers and stuff. Uh, and one of the trailers was for Psychonauts, which is the first and really the only officially made trailer for the game. You might find some others right now, but it's the earliest one that you, was ever made if you ever wanted to look it up. Because um, if I told you, you wouldn't be able to find it. There's so many now. Um, and then I played the demo, and I probably replayed that demo like 30 times. And it was just the introductory level. It's the um, tutorial mission that kind of defines how you do everything. But I thought it was so great as a kid. I had my birthday. I got $50 from one of my birthday cards. I was in Toys R Us. Um, Psychonauts was already in the, <laughs> was in the discount bin because it didn't really hit home too well with the sales. Um, to give you a long story short, it did kind of poor on launch. Um, then they got the rights back published it on Steam, had a renaissance, and now we're getting Psychonauts 2. Uh, so it, it is, I guess you could say still, but was definitely a cult game in its time. I was one of the few people that got it, and I was nine years old when it came out and when I bought the game. Uh, the significant part of that is that the camp is full of nine-year-olds, nine-year-old kids, and you played a nine-year-old boy in the game, and it really resonated with me and shaped a lot of the way that I did my, my personality traits growing up. I think that everyone's personality and character is influenced by everything around them and when you're isolating yourself playing this game like a million times uh, definitely impacts you um, so I thought that that was probably my favorite childhood game so that one was a little bit more in-depth uh, my favorite game to play right now Red Dead Redemption 2 it's great it's perfect I love playing the online I love doing things in that world it's my fallback game so that's all I'm gonna say play the game <laughs> If you want to, it's a good story too, but I have a favorite game player and I was easily that online. My favorite RPG, role-playing game, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, I'd say. There's a lot of RPGs that I really like. System Shock 2 is technically, it's like a survival horror more than it is an RPG, but that's an RPG. Uh, but Knights of the Republic was that perfect balance between kind of simplified and also kind of intense story and dialogue and choices that you can make. 
but I just thought it was really neat as a kid and then growing up and fully replaying them when I was like 13, 14 or so, um, I got really uh, into it. And Knights of the Republic 1 and 2 are both fantastic games. Uh, the second one, uh, if you do get it on PC, it is like a mod called the Restoration Mod uh, that I'd highly recommend getting because there's a lot of cut content for it. But Knights of the Republic 1 is probably uh, the better of the two and my favorite RPG. Uh, my favorite FPS. That's tough. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and just go easily with Halo. <laughs> that tough thing was sarcasm. Halo is hands down my favorite first person shooter. It's hardly a first person shooter in terms of following trends and stuff. It actually set a lot of them. Um, and there's, there's so much to go into with that, but I've never played a uh, first person shooter that had a perfect campaign and story that I cared about with phenomenal music, right? But also a, a just, decade-defining and culturally impactful multiplayer um, and later on the forge mode which is like a custom content creator they gave to the players um, Halo 1, 2, and 3 are just honestly I can't think of a better trilogy in gaming where every single one was nailed uh, by the developer it was basically a team of like 20 to 30 guys who you know used to do coding and stuff and they were gonna make a game for Mac and that was what it was but things got kind of shuffled around and Microsoft bought uh, Bungie to do the Halo games for them instead. And if Bungie had not said yes to that, the Xbox wouldn't exist. <laughs> like, that's how good Halo 1 was in 2001. Is There was nothing else really for the Xbox that people actually cared for uh, but Halo, because Halo was such a new and revolutionary thing, right? And having an FPS where you're using the left stick for movement, uh, and then the right stick for aiming and looking around and just the way that it did things, it was just perfect. So, but Halo 3 is my favorite of that group if, if that's what the question is, but my favorite FPS, quote unquote, franchise is Halo. Uh, my favorite action RPG? Maybe I put too many questions here. <laughs> I'll, I'll go a little bit shorter on my favorite uh, personal things. <laughs> Sorry to go a little bit deep into this, but it's kind of fun for me. Uh, I'd love to have people send in their favorite things. <laughs> Maybe that's what I'll do. I'll, I'll ask like a question at the end of each podcast that, what's your favorite blank? Or I'll put a question in there or something. And um, the few people that today could definitely respond. And I'd love to hear it uh, and continue to talk to you about it. Uh, so I'll go a little bit shorter on these. Then the my favorite action RPG is System Shock 2. That came out for 1998 in, on the PC, and it's hands down one of the best PC games and just games in general of all time. Uh, the guy that made that game, Ken Levine, or at least was a creative producer, uh, went on to do his next game, Bioshock, which is um, one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and I guess I'll get to that. Yeah, uh, the platformer area, I'd say, would be... Super Mario 64 just because it's such a classic and nostalgic game for me and set a lot of uh, benchmarks for the way that people made platforming games for the next decade it was all totally influenced by um, Super Mario 64 um, my favorite party game Smash Brothers I'm going to throw Smash Brothers in that it's technically a fighting game um, but I think that it's more of a party game than like Mario Party or anything because Mario Party is kind of like, uh, to me it's a little bit mundane, honestly. 
It's a little bit too slow. Super Smash Brothers, you can make a game out of anything in that, a drinking game, uh, you know, choose a character and then how many deaths or which will decide what or something. It's it's more fun to play with multiple people than I think um, Mario Party or any of those games are. Jackbox Party Packs are kind of fun, but again, they get a little mundane. Okay, my favorite choice-driven game, Detroit Become Human. That's all I'll say. Every choice you make basically matters. It's a masterfully crafted choice quote-unquote driven game uh, and I'd highly encourage everyone to play it near future setting about AI follows three narrative arcs even though it should only follow one play the game Detroit Become Human my favorite character in games of all time is Rasputin from Psychonauts because I identify with him the most and I think that he's great and funny and also has a sense of nobility and as a kid craved just pure wholehearted adventure, which was exactly what I wanted when I was a kid. I would literally listen to like game soundtracks and lay on the couch. And I'm not religious in any way. I mean, like I think that there's spiritual things and maybe some religious beliefs that I have. Uh, but I would always like, because my parents were fairly Christian, I'd like hold my hands together on the couch, right? And I'd say, please God, <laughs> no matter what it takes, give me some crazy adventure that I could go on in my life, some sort of masterful sort of journey that I can take. Um, and what I would do is I would try to act like heroic around the people that I went to school with and stuff so that if one day someone was going to go on an adventure they'd be like I want to bring Kenny because he's heroic you know and anyway that's kind of a little fun fact about me but that's something I really really craved as a kid so he's my favorite character uh, favorite multiplayer game uh, probably Rainbow Six Siege I mean I have 1,490 hours right now and my goal is 1,500 so you just have to kind of pause for a second and really understand just how pathetic, but also like proud I am of that. <laughs> how pathetic it is, but how proud I am of it. Um, every time I jump back on now, I feel like a veteran, like a Vietnam vet with all these like medals going in and going like, yeah, I remember this. Oh, this guy's doing it all wrong. This is how you do it. And I don't, I don't tell people that, but when I'm not talking into the mic, I always, you know, say that aloud so Rainbow Six Siege if you ever want to play Rainbow Six Siege I'm like deeply into that game and I know the maps really well I've got Game Shench is what they call it Game Shench you know Counter-Strike players use that term often it's very narcissistic okay and um, the last two uh, one is the favorite game to play with somebody Halo easily favorite game of all time is Bioshock easily hands down of course very easy pick for me um, like I mentioned earlier kind of gave it away a little bit Bioshock 2007 changed everything for me in terms of how I interpreted a mature game it was the first mature quote-unquote game uh, that wasn't about like 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 GTA where it's just about like violence which is mature or nudity or anything it was mature in the tones that it explored and a lot of the ideology and a lot of the plot of that game with like Atlas and Ryan and like the uprising and like how it all came to be and how it all fell apart and everything. Bioshock was like my religion for a while. I even read the book on it. Uh, the little Fall of Rapture book that came out which was <laughs> written by the drummer of Blue Oyster Cult which is like an 80s, 70s rock band which I love but it's just very weird that he'd be the person to write that. I always thought that was so strange. Um, but very great game. I would totally recommend everybody play it. It's simple enough where casual audiences can enjoy it, uh, and it's also you know something that is rewarding enough for 
more experienced players to enjoy. So check it out. Uh, it's on everything. It's on PS3, 360, PC, PS4, Xbox One. Um, it's on everything. So I would not hesitate uh, to pick that up because it'll be really great. Bioshock 2 and Bioshock Infinite. If you played the first one and loved it, I would say play 2 and Infinite just to get that um, context, I guess. But there's really nothing else to add. And I think Bioshock Infinite ruins almost the first game um, in terms of like if you actually considered a connected franchise um, because of some of the decisions they make with the plot later on. Uh, but I'd still play it. But, okay, so Bioshock 1... Bioshock Infinite, and then back in 1998, System Shock 2. Those were the three games that Ken Levine co-created. He, he wrote. Uh, he, he was like the vision behind them. So those are the games that you're going to enjoy the most if you enjoy Bioshock. Uh, and I think that you should play Bioshock Infinite. You could even skip two. If you really, excuse me, if you really want that context to see what made Bioshock such a great game... Um, because Bioshock Infinite watered down a lot of what made it so great and streamlined it. And that's honestly one of the topics before I started this podcast even that I really wanted to talk about on it was just how much of a blunder Bioshock Infinite was narratively and mechanically uh, compared to Bioshock 1 because it was just such a step back. And when you first play it, it's, it's actually quite pretty and very nice and the setting is so unique. And the writing's okay. Uh, and but you're just so happy that you got another Bioshock game. Like, can we made another game? Finally, you know? It's only been, what, five years or so since the last one. Exactly five years. Uh, and you get really swept up and you love it. And then time sits with you for a little bit. And like any any title, you should always give it a couple weeks before you give your final opinions on it. Um, but after that couple weeks went by, I kind of realized just how shallow it was, even though it was... Ironically, it was convoluted, but that's it's it's kind of a paradox in that way. It's it's very convoluted, but that makes it very shallow because it looks for cop outs uh, for the plot, and then it kind of uses Bioshock One as a crutch uh, to support it. So, yeah, so that is my list of game stuff. Now the uh, the other list I'm going to go pretty pretty easy on here because I wanted to keep it a little bit more video game centric, but these ones are going to be super quick, just so you guys can know a few of my favorite things. <laughs> that, that I really enjoy in life. So some of these you might hate me for too. So I'm almost kind of regretting letting people know. I'm in Arizona, by the way, so some of these are specific to that. Uh, we'll start off with my favorite fast food restaurant, which is Raising Cane's. I love Raising Cane's chicken fingers. I love their cane sauce. I dip everything in the cane sauce. I dip the bread in the cane sauce, the french fries in the cane sauce, the chicken in the cane sauce, and my fingers in the cane sauce. If it's still alive after everything else it's kind of specific arizona um, or at least the area that i'm in at least places around arizona and whatnot but um totally totally the best place ever uh, my favorite ice cream flavor vanilla bean plain jane uh, my favorite sushi is a las vegas roll um, i love deep fried cream cheese with crab um, specifically from yogi's uh, if you've ever been to yogi's grill uh, it's kind of like a more Americanized sushi, but it's super good. It's my favorite of all time. My favorite Asian dish, sushi. <laughs> I guess it's kind of the already answered that question. My favorite Italian dish is uh, eh, is pizza. 
But let's be honest, guys. If we had to say only one thing from Italy could survive uh, from every everything else, you know what I mean? Like pasta and like linguine or whatever. It's pizza. I'd hate to live in a world without pizza. My favorite food of all time. Yeah, easily. Filet mignon, medium rare, with asparagus, buttered, uh, and a side of, uh, I would say, duck wings. Favorite, favorite food of all time. Just classic American. It's delicious. And there's a lot of art to the way that they can cook it and nail it and quality differences. So there you go. Favorite way to cook a steak, medium rare. Uh, my favorite pasta dish. <laughs> These are getting a little bit wacky. My favorite pasta dish is um, Alfredo. Yeah. I just love Alfredo with some sausage on it. Um, one of the questions I love to ask people to kind of get like an idea of their their character. I just asked this actually uh, to, I'll, I'll plug you, I'll plug you. Welcome to Phoenix is another podcast that I absolutely uh, enjoy listening to. Uh, it's from a, um, a friend of a friend, Brandon. Uh, he lives in Phoenix uh, with me. He's, uh, he, I think he's down in, in Maricopa area, Maricopa way, but he's very, uh, very personable guy, very charming over the over the microphone with his voice and everything. And he uh, recently held a question air sort of thing, and I asked him uh, Alfredo or tomato basil because to me that's like the the question of all questions. Simple but so telling, you know. My favorite cookie uh, is oatmeal raisin. I love oatmeal raisin. It is a perfect balance of sweetness but also some bitterness. Uh, not too soft, you know. Not too tender, uh, but not too stiff and unenjoyable. Oatmeal raisin. Okay. My favorite cereal. Oh, geez. I told you this one last time. It's Life Cinnamon. I, it's perfect. Again, perfect. Perfectly balanced. The older I get, the less sweetness I want. But honestly, Life Cinnamon's probably been my favorite since I was like a teenager. Um, my favorite breakfast food is, uh, I'd probably say hash. Corn, corned beef hash. Super good. You throw in some like... Um, chopped up bell peppers, you know what I mean? And I don't like onions at all, but it's the only food that I can actually enjoy onions on uh, with some potato, super good corned beef hash. Favorite pizza toppings, ham and pineapple. I'll just give that to you and you can run with it. Take it as you will. Uh, favorite fruit is this banana, uh, even as unhealthy for you as they actually are with all the carbs and starch and everything. Uh, my favorite vegetable. <laughs> Boy, I really should have like... <laughs> peer-reviewed peer these, huh? Or, or done some sort of review before I actually went through them. Some of these are really specific. I don't really have a favorite vegetable. Tomatoes? I guess. Bell, bell peppers? I guess asparagus is a vegetable. There you go. I like broccoli, too. I just love vegetables. Just not onions. Okay, my favorite comfort food. Southern cuisine. Grits. Um, chicken and dumplings. Pancakes. The South just nailed breakfast and comfort food. Um, okay, uh, my favorite cake. I hate cake. I hate all cake. Get me an ice cream cake. Don't get me cake. I'll, I'll take a couple bites. You know, if it's like carrot cake, okay, but who... Honestly, I want to ask anyone, who really loves cake? Like, honestly. You wouldn't, you wouldn't rather take just like a slice of like, I don't know, bread? Like whole grain bread. At least you're getting something out of those carbs, you know? Hate cake. Disgusting. Um, my favorite thing to cook. Steak. I, I like cooking a New York strip steak. Um, I've been trying more with lamb, but steak is easily my favorite. Next to pork chops. 
Uh, favorite soda? I don't really have a favorite soda. I'd say Coca-Cola. Easy to mix things with and just kind of, you just, if you just pop open an ice cold Coke, it honestly is just the most sincere soda flavor ever. My favorite alcoholic drink? Wine. Um, I would say Dream Tree Pinot Noir is probably right now my favorite. Um, but I've been kind of experimenting quite a bit and there's a lot that are very good. I got one from Napa Valley. I can't remember the brand, but I spent like 50 bucks on it. You get what you pay for with wine. I'll tell you that much. It was delicious. Okay. And I've been kind of having a bad habit of <clears throat> drinking the whole bottle every night. My favorite drink at Starbucks. Wow. Isn't this, uh, <laughs> isn't this a very coincidental question? My favorite drink would probably be... Honestly, it's between two. Due to a recommendation, I would usually... I've been making my coffee at home now recently, actually, because I'm trying to save money. Um, it's caught between two. The recommendation I got from a lot of people is the caffeine, which is the reason I go to Starbucks, is um, a venti-sized cold brew with uh, 2% and a little bit of caramel syrup. But traditionally, I'd always get a Trina iced coffee with 2% and caramel syrup. Uh, because I like copious amounts of coffee in the morning. I want it to last, and I, I use it as a crutch during my job, so I don't have to like focus on my work as much. I can have something to do with my hands uh, while the person I'm talking to is just running their mouth. Okay, my favorite flavor coffee, caramel. Uh, and then here's a little bit more media. Ooh, this is fun, isn't it? A little bit more media questions, not just like cereal and stuff. Okay, my favorite 80s movie, uh, The Thing. My favorite Harry Potter movie, the first one. Not a big fan of the series, but I'd say the first one. Favorite Hobbit from Lord of the Rings, Sam, easily. The guy is just wholesome. Favorite Simpsons character, I don't have one. Um, Bart, I guess. He's kind of funny, I don't know. My favorite cartoon cat. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jerry... Favorite TV sitcom, Curb Your Enthusiasm. It is utterly hilarious. Uh, my favorite cartoon, Speed Racer. My favorite scary movie, The Thing. But since I already chose The Thing, I guess if I were to choose anything else, um, what's a good horror movie? Exorcist is good, but I'd say just because of the, the humor and the way that he did it, probably Poltergeist, probably my favorite horror movie. Uh, favorite funny movie, Airplane. Hilarious. The whole movie. Non-stop humor. Okay, I'm going to skip some of these. My favorite Pixar movie is Ratatouille. I love Ratatouille. Uh, it's my nickname around my house because I cook things a lot and have such a good time cooking them. Uh, my favorite actress over 50. Does it count if they're dead? Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of ones that are still alive. It's tough. Really been digging Debbie Reynolds recently. My favorite actress over 50, though, because I haven't seen anything besides Singing in the Rain with her. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, Julie Andrews. I always always get her name mixed up with someone else, but the girl from Sound of Music, I'm pretty sure it's Julie Andrews. She's great in everything she does, and she's hilarious, too, um, outside when she does like interviews and stuff. Just so happy, you know? And I don't know. How do you nail being a perfect human being like that. It's just nuts. Um, my favorite canceled TV series? Canceled? I guess Invader Zim. I loved that one as a kid, but it got 
killed really quickly, so that's always a shame. Uh, my favorite classic movie depends on how far back you want to say is classic. Casino is my favorite movie of all time. My favorite classic movie, which I would go back, I guess you could say 70s uh, and before I would consider classic. Um, I guess I'd have to go with Apocalypse Now. Great movie. Um, I would say like 2001 A Space Odyssey and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly are really close. Yeah, you know what? Actually, above all else. Yeah, yeah. The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. But with Apocalypse Now and... Um, and 2001 is a close second uh, and third, just because The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly is all around a great movie. And, I mean, how can you not love young Clint Eastwood? It's great. Favorite Beatles song? It was The Fool on the Hill for a little bit. I think that with The Beatles, you just constantly change your favorite songs. But I'm going to go with Help for all time, just because when I was a kid, the first Beatles album I ever got, my dad bought for me, was Help. And I remember sitting with my Walkman on my top bunk, just listening to that song over and over again. Well, the album, but I loved that song when I was a kid, so I'd probably say that's probably my favorite. Uh, okay, let's see, let's see. Favorite style of dance? Swing. I love swing dancing, and I regret not ever learning it. I was actually, actually offered the chance to learn it in uh, the beginning of high school, but I did not, and I regret that. Okay, favorite one-hit wonder? Who actually cares about this stuff? Favorite one-hit wonder? Kiss me? Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's so many. I'm, I'm just yeah, yeah, whatever. Kiss me. That was a good one by the. What's their name? It's a really long band name. It's a one-hit wonder for a reason. Doesn't have a lot of other good songs that people enjoyed. Favorite song you're embarrassed to like? Probably, probably like K-pop songs. I'm not embarrassed at all that I like. Um, um, oh geez, they're they're the they're the girl K-pop band, uh, Red Velvet. I am not embarrassed at all that I like Red Velvet, but there's like one song by EXO. I think they're called. It's like uh, someone call a doctor or something. I just love that song. I think it's so great. But you never catch me listening to that in public with my windows down or at a stoplight turned up. I'd usually turn them down. My favorite foreign band artist. I'm American. Pink Floyd is foreign. They're from uh, the UK, so Pink Floyd. And I think I'll probably cut it off there. If you want to know my favorites, you can always just find me on you know social media or something and message me. I have the Crimson Sky Media podcast Instagram up. By the way, in case a lot of you didn't know, if you wanted to follow the news on it or just know whenever a new episode's coming out or is coming up. Uh, check it out because it is available uh, for everyone. It's a super nice <laughs> Instagram. It's very, very nice, the Instagram. I actually have only two posts on it. Um, I'm not sure if people would enjoy if I actually put like more frequent news on it because you can get that sort of thing everywhere else, and it's usually a lot more consistent. Um, most of it would just be like the only reason why is it be like the, the information for me. Uh, about my opinion, which is kind of what the podcast is anyway. Um, so if you want to stay up to date on it, or if you have any questions for me, uh, you can use that as an, pardon me, as an outlet that you can use to ask questions that are related to gaming or just me in general. Uh, definitely find me there. Other news too is that Crimson Sky Media was recently 
uh, allowed to be available to iTunes uh, podcasts and basically everything else now. Um, it's available on Google Podcasts. Um, it's available on Spotify, the podcasts on iTunes, uh, and of course the original hosting site, which is Anchor, of course, where you could send in voice messages to me that I can review and even put on the podcast itself. Uh, so take a look at that. And um, I'd really appreciate if you send me some questions or anything. I don't really have anyone that I can co-host with right now, so it's it's really just me talking. And I think that people do enjoy that. Um, I know that I do from time to time because I think that having a podcast with two people talk, I, I enjoy those quite a bit uh, if they're people that I particularly enjoy. Uh, but then it just kind of becomes, um, for the most part, like Joe Rogan's podcast, which is, I just use that as an example because it's so popular. You've probably listened to something from it. Uh, he usually just does a little bit of talking and most of it's from the person that he's interviewing. Uh, I don't have the money or the, um, you know, popularity to get people like, you know, um, Bernie Sanders or, you know, Joe Rogan interviewing, uh, Alex Jones or these, these big kind of meme cultural figures. Uh, he did also like Tulsi Gabbard and stuff and Elon Musk. So for me, it'd have to be more gaming related and I don't, not a lot of people who are video game centric live in Arizona, let alone it would be easy to get onto a podcast. Uh, so maybe down the road, like way down the road, <laughs> that'd be a dream of mine to talk to some people like that and do interviews because I think I'm, I'd be quite good at it. Uh, gaming journalism is one of the things that I think I would probably say is my go-to dream that I've had in life is doing something related to that. Um, but in the meantime, it'll be just me. But I would love to have people sending questions uh, or voice clips or something. Uh, gives me something to feed off of. But also, more importantly, I really care about people who listen to this podcast, what they have to say and the questions that they may have or anything. So definitely send those in if you can. But if not... I'm really happy that you're listening to me right now. So thank you so much for that. Some of these questions, by the way, kind of scrolled through them a little bit. Favorite brand of toilet paper? Favorite YouTube video? Favorite car color? I'm glad I didn't go through the whole list. But I appreciate you listening to uh, what I did go through the list. And thanks for tuning in. This is an extra long episode to make up for some of the giant gap uh, that we've had. But also to celebrate the 10th episode of Crimson Sky Media Podcast. Uh, So we'll follow up with you next week. Really happy to have you, and until then, we'll meet again.